What's up, everyone? So in this episode, we're going to be discussing a very timely topic if you happen to have rentals in a state with winter, and we're going to discuss what to do with snow removal and salting at your properties. There is definitely very strong opinions out there about what the best way is to handle this for liability reasons and also for, well, I guess general lawsuit reasons would kind of fall under there. But we're going to dive into this topic because I just came back from a conference and it came up in one of the Q&A classes and boy, there were strong feelings on both sides of the aisle about this one. Building a real estate portfolio is as much about buying properties as being a de facto entrepreneur. I'm Karina Ufinger. I'm a multi-property investor, rental management company CEO, and also a landlord coach. I'm going to show you the systems and knowledge you need to thrive as a real estate entrepreneur. From your first property purchase to building a portfolio of passive income where you work less than five hours a week, you'll learn the essential information and skills to build a profitable portfolio and live the life you truly want. Whether you are well on your journey or just starting out, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Landlord Chick Podcast. So this was a topic that I was surprised had so many strong feelings associated with it. As I said, over the weekend, I was a guest panelist at an Ask the Experts conference in Wisconsin for real estate, and we were posed a question about snow removal. The landlord asked if if it should be believed that the hype about slip and fall lawsuits is created solely, solely by attorneys and insurance companies, and they were wondering how many people have had lawsuits with snow removal. Now, I want to point out that in this room, there was maybe like 25 people in the room. So it's not like we had 500. It's not like this was anywhere near a scientific sort of sampling of a landlord population. But the question was posed to the panel, should we believe the hype? And what do we do for snow removal? Now, first off, I want to make it clear that I do not believe personally that there is any sort of like referral kickback or any sort of collusion on the part of insurance agents and 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 attorneys to have you outsource the snow removal because if you think about it them advising you to outsource it in both aspects is likely sort of more or less taking away business from them. Now, yes, with the insurance agent, they're probably doing it so that there's less likely there'll be claims against your insurance. But isn't that the same goal that we all have anyway? Like, I don't approach my everyday decisions wondering if it's the best for me. I approach it wondering, is this the best for my risk and liability? So that being said, I honestly think the recommendation from from the insurance companies is is smart. Attorneys, they don't they don't have any reason to tell you to outsource it other than basically what they've seen and the experience that they have had as attorneys in the courtroom. Now, slip and falls are very very litigious cases, meaning that the attorney that the tenant uses in these cases 
they go for blood. And that is why attorneys highly recommend that you outsource snow removal. Because in the event of a lawsuit and how a lawsuit will work, if you've never had one, you've never been a part of one in any sort of scenario, if you have something where there's bodily injury, so a tenant sues you because they slipped and fell on a sidewalk or a pavement that is attached to your property. What happens is the tenant sues you and your insurance company. Your insurance company then looks for someone that they could sue in return. See, they always want to find someone else that they can outsource the liability to. If the snow removal is done by a third party, if it's done by an insured company, then your insurance company in that instance will turn around and counter sue to the insurance, to the snow removal provider. Now, the reason they do this is because ultimately, while yes, you are the landlord, it was this particular company that provided the service. So therefore they're the ones that should be on the hook assuming that you didn't make any nefarious decisions when setting up your snow removal. So what would be nefarious decisions in snow removal? Well, if you told them you don't want anyone to go out unless of course it's a blizzard, then obviously this is gonna come back to you more than it will the snow removal company. But let's say that you told them, yeah, I want you to go out if it's more than an inch and a half. I want you to salt the sidewalks. I want you to shovel the sidewalks. You had all that in place. And then a tenant still slipped and fell and they fell because they, because the snow wasn't removed on one portion of the sidewalk. Your insurance company will go back to the snow, snow removal provider and say, you were supposed to remove all the snow on the sidewalk. We are therefore suing you now. So that is how a lawsuit will unravel in the court. If you outsource your snow removal. Now, towards the end of the segment, we will go over how a lawsuit functions if you have a tenant do it. And believe me, it happens a lot differently than if you had outsourced it to a snow removal company. So for starters, single family homes, we all know that that's going to fall on the tenant. There are a few instances where I have seen a landlord provide the snow removal for a single family home. These were all in responses to some sort of reasonable accommodation, whether it be for a disability or other item. So if you have a single family home rental, you really have a cut and dry approach. It's going to be placed with the tenant. You are not going to provide a snow, a, a snow blower, a shovel or salt. That's all going to have to be provided by the tenant themselves. And it's really standard in the equation. When we get into small multifamily, so two to five unit, this is really where the bulk of the question in the conversation comes from. When we talk about larger multifamily, so six units or larger, generally speaking, when you get to that point, you are outsourcing it automatically. And mostly it's because having a tenant that would have the time and the physical capabilities to remove snow in a property that is six units or larger is a little bit harder to find. So in these instances, this is why most people tend to go that way. It's first because they realize that, you know what, it's unlikely I'm going to find a tenant that would devote 
three hours to snow removal because that's what it's going to take. You're also going to have the situation of a very large parking lot likely. And unless, of course, they happen to have a snow plow on the truck, they're not going to be able to snow blow the parking lot. So that's another reason that when we get to this size of property, we are outsourcing snow removal. But yet I can't help but think at some point, depending on the size of the complex, the landlord likely had the thought process of deciding, you know what, this is too much for me to handle effectively. This is too much for a tenant to handle effectively. I really just need to outsource, get it done professionally to limit my liability. And that absolutely is the case at some point. At some point you make the decision to outsource snow removal for your own liability reasons. Now, getting back to small multifamily and how we approach this. I will be honest, my approach to small multifamily is that it is handled by the landlord. All of the properties that I rent out that I own, I have a snow removal company that comes and plows the driveways, shovels the sidewalks and salts the sidewalks. I honestly feel this is the best approach in any portfolio. The reason I say this is because I don't believe it is a fear tactic about slip and fall lawsuits. Slip and fall lawsuits happen. What I also know from experience being a property manager is that there can be situations with slip and falls that don't become lawsuits because of the way you handle them ahead of time or because of how you did handle the snow removal. So I've managed a couple of properties that have been a part of slip and fall incidents. They never went to lawsuits. Part of the reason they never went to lawsuits was how my company approached it when the tenant approached us with the issue. A lot of it came down to our tactics in handling the situation when, when we became aware of it, how we responded to the tenant, how we acted as their friend, not an adversary in the equation. We were able to kind of talk them off the ledge of a lawsuit and get them to the point where we came to a reasonable understanding. I'm not necessarily going to go into what exactly was done in each instance, because that's obviously much larger than the scope of this program here. But I do want to say that how you approach a tenant that comes to you with a slip and fall is going to instantly affect whether or not a lawsuit occurs. If someone approaches you with a slip and fall and you're instantly combative and you're adversarial, like, oh, well, did you take caution? Were you running to your car? Or did you just walk outside and not look at the weather at all? That's the bad way to approach a slip and fall. Always approach it with a sort of conciliatory tone to it. Don't admit fault, anything like that, but oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you let them vent about it. You should be able to bring them to an understanding, assuming that there wasn't some, some sort of catastrophic injury that came from it. So assuming that they didn't break a leg, maybe they just bruised something. They just got a little embarrassed maybe because their neighbors saw them slip and fall. You should be able with a good attitude and an amicable approach to the situation, be able to resolve it. Now, that being said, getting back to small multifamilies, small multifamilies, whether or not you hire out for snow removal, it's likely going to come down to how you view your monetary value in the property. And let me explain. 
all of us have property insurance. We have the property insurance to protect our buildings. We get this insurance hoping that we will never ever use it and we try and do things particularly so that we never have to use it. So for instance, when an electrician goes to our property and says that an electrical outlet shorted out, which means that likely there's other wiring issues in the building, most of the time we're approaching that with, okay, we've got to get this situated so that we don't lose our property. Snow removal should very much be viewed in the same fashion. Handling snow removal should not be something that is a last minute thought. It shouldn't be something that you just handle a particular way for your convenience. It should be a decision that just like any other decision you make as a buy and hold investor, it is directly related to your impression of protecting your portfolio. The other thing I want to say about small multifamily snow removal is that we do things all the time, spending money a little bit to make our property better or to make it last longer. In my opinion, outsourcing snow removal falls under the same category. We're making it last longer because we're either ensuring that snow removal is done properly or we're outsourcing snow removal where maybe it isn't done properly, but it gives our insurance company somewhere else to go to get compensation in the event a lawsuit actually comes to fruition. Now, one of the things I want to say in regards to small multifamily snow removal, and this is where the bulk of our conversation is going to lie, honestly, you have to understand that when you are hiring a tenant to do snow removal, and that is what you're doing, you're hiring them, you are creating an employee-employer relationship even if you are not putting them on payroll, you are making them an employee of yours. Now, why is it you're making them an employee of yours? How does that occur? Well, you are signing a contract with them for the purpose of doing snow removal. In order for someone to be considered an independent contractor, which I know many of you are thinking, well, they, well they're an independent contractor, no. In every state, one of the qualifiers for someone to be an independent contractor is that they have to do the similar, similar work for other people. So unless, of course, your tenant is doing snow removal for other people as well, they don't qualify as an independent contractor for you. And because you're entering into agreement with them, it's recorded on their lease, which you're going to do so that there's record of it either way. You are thus making them an employee of yours. Now, I know that might be a little bit hard to grasp, but the way the court's going to look at it is that you hired this person for snow removal. They don't do it for anyone else. So the only way that they can look at this relationship is going to be an employee-employer situation. When you're using a tenant to perform snow removal for you, you're making them an employee. You're giving them expectations of when the work should be done. And you're likely also providing the equipment for them. Why would you be providing the equipment? Well, you're likely providing the equipment to be sure that they aren't going to go on Facebook Marketplace and get an unreliable snowblower that doesn't work. And therefore, they start slacking on their snow removal responsibilities. 
Some people question whether or not if you provide the snowblower, if that increases your liability versus if you had them get their own. The reality of it is whether you provide the snowblower or not, it does nothing to your liability. So if you have a tenant who stupidly sticks their hand in a moving snowblower blade, the judge isn't going to ask you, well, did you provide it or did they provide it? No, they're going to look at you and go, you hired them to do the snow removal. You've got to figure out a way to compensate them because they lost their hand. That's the reality of it. It doesn't, the little nuances like that aren't going to matter in this equation. So when you get a tenant to do snow removal, you're going to put it in your lease. They're going to be an employee of yours. You're going to likely be providing the salt. You're going to be providing the equipment, the shovel, the snowblower. And you, and you in your mind, you're likely going to be thinking, okay, this is handled and we've done this well. Which maybe is true. There are tenants out there that do a good job with it. I personally, I'm not willing to kind of roll the dice on this and see whether or not a tenant's going to be good at it. And I honestly don't want to be in a position where I find out the bad way that they're not good at it, or maybe they've been really good at it for a while, but then they just ultimately end up flaking out. This is another reason why I just outsource my small multifamily snow removal. It just seems like a sound decision. Now, when we're compensating tenants for this, there's two approaches to this. You can either give them a rent credit every month for when there's snow removal. You can base that credit based on how many times they have to go out and shovel snow. The other way you can do it is just do a year round rent reduction. So maybe instead of charging 875 for the unit, it's going to be 850 year round just as a compensation for the snow removal. I'm not advocating those exact dollar amount differences or anything like that. That's just an example. There's going to be some sort of compensation involved. And sometimes it's not even necessarily anything you express in your lease. You don't necessarily express in your lease that you're giving them $25 off for snow removal. I see, I've never actually done this, but one of the things I can say for having it included in your lease is that in the event that they stop doing it, you can kind of easily point to them and say, okay, you're not doing it anymore, which means your rent's going to go up by $50 per your lease. Again, whether or not you include it, any mon monetary amount in your lease, that's going to make no difference as far as how any adjudicator views the lease and your arrangement with the tenant. So I promised you that we would look at how a lawsuit would unfold if you had a small multifamily and you used a tenant for snow removal. If you've actively listen this long, you can probably figure out where this is going to go. So if you have a duplex and the other tenant slips and falls, they are going to sue you. They are not going to sue the tenant. They're going to sue you. Your insurance company is first going to ask you what company does your snow removal. When you say you have a tenant do it, they know at that moment they have no other person to sue in regards to that slip and fall because the relationship that you have with that tenant is an employee employer relationship but they also know they're likely going to be squeezing a dry fruit because the tenant is not going to have their own insurance for the purposes of removing snow so there's not going to be anyone else that they could bring into the lawsuit 
to help cover the claim cost. In this instance, it's going to be your insurance taking the absolute bulk, in fact, the entirety of any sort of claim that comes out of the lawsuit. Any sort of judgment happens, it's going to be coming out of your insurance company's pocket, not anyone else's. So yes, this is why one of the reasons that insurance companies advocate having snow removal be done by a reliable insured company is because then they do have somebody else to go after for their purposes, which will then help keep your rates low. Part of a determining factor in an insurance claim and whether or not your rates go up afterwards is whether there was someplace else to get funds to cover the damages. In an instance where you have hired a tenant as an employee to do snow removal, there's no other place to recoup these damages. Nine times out of 10, your insurance premiums are gonna go up. It's even possible that your insurance company could require that you outsource it in the future to avoid this situation. In these situations, you are going to be fully responsible. And this is where we get back to the idea of the value of risk liability. I believe it is absolutely worth the, for my portfolio of four properties, it's absolutely worth the approximately $200 a month I spend on snow removal to ensure that it is done timely, efficiently, and effectively by an outside company. For me, it is absolutely worth it. There is no amount of money that would make me change my mind for the risk that is associated with this. Because remember, a slip and fall is a very litigious case. They really go for blood. The, the tenant's attorney will absolutely go for blood. They will milk it for everything it's worth. So for me, it is absolutely worth the $200 a month to protect what is the multi-million dollar property portfolio I have accumulated. One of the tips I want to give for snow removal season outside of our conversation here about outsourcing or having it in-house is if you have a multifamily, whether it be small or large, if you have a multifamily and you have multiple entrances and exits, I highly recommend that you put out a five gallon bucket with a lid, drop some salt in there and have like one of those big red cups that are big at high school, college parties, put those in there at every entrance exit so that in the event a tenant walks out of that exit and there's an ice ice sheet there they can use the salt to safely navigate to where they're going this is one of the things that even if you've removed snow let's say that the snow melts off the roof it comes down on the sidewalk it creates an ice sheet if you don't have snow removal happening and you don't have salt available to the tenant who's going to take care of that so I do recommend that you put out five gallon buckets with snow with, I'm sorry, salt in them at every entrance exit. Put in there a cup, a small cup. You don't need to put in like a large 32 ounce McDonald's cup, but don't make it a small Dixie cup. Likely go somewhere between like six to eight ounces and have that available for them to use. One of the great things about this is that then in the event something comes up, and let's say it does get to the point of a lawyer, someone slips and falls on a sidewalk, leaving the building, you can say, well, there was salt available in this bucket right next to the exit. 
It's going to help insure you from liability a little bit. It might not take away all the liability, but what could likely happen is a judge might look at it and go, okay, well, maybe 10% for the landlord, 90% for the tenant, some sort of equation like that, where they recognize the fact that the tenant had the ability, they are provided the tools to remedy the situation, but this tenant didn't do it. I hope you guys learned something from this episode in regards to snow removal. This seemed like a very timely topic because right now as I'm recording this, we're almost to Halloween, which means really snow removal season is going to happen at any point, at least here in Wisconsin. We can get our first snowfalls before, before Halloween. So I wanted to put this out there before it ends up being too far into snow removal season for us. I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you next week with another episode.